So if you weren't here last week, or if you are in, uh, if you're, it's your first time to First on Chatham, um, just want to give you a little bit of an update about where we are. We're in uh, a three-week series on the book of Ruth. Uh, Ruth is one of the most beloved books in Scripture. In fact, when I sent an email out saying that that's what we were studying, a lot of people reply back saying, I can't wait. This is one of the most beautiful books. I love this. My family loves this. And it's true, a lot of us love the book of Ruth, and we love it because there are really relatable characters, they're ordinary people, this isn't a story of kings and queens and, and, and nations and rulers, this is the story of just a few simple people living their ordinary lives and God working in those ordinary moments. We said it's like the CBS Sunday morning of, of Scripture. Um, in the sense that it's a human interest story. Uh, this isn't, again, national headlines. This isn't um, some big, bold uh, story that's just about miracles, about you know, grand things. It's an ordinary story that people find interesting because they can connect. It's rather a refreshing look at God because I think throughout a lot of the Old Testament, we look at it and it's the God of the cosmos, and that's great. God is the God of the cosmos, and it's the God of nation building, and that's great. God is the uh, God of nation building, but God is also the God of one-on-one interaction, of daily faithfulness, of daily hospitality, and so that's how we're looking at it this three-week series. We've been encouraging to to read Ruth all the way cover to cover every week um, before you come in. Hopefully you haven't. I used to teach high school, and if people didn't read, I would ask them to sit outside until they had read it all. I'm not going to ask you to do that. Um, But I do think it's important for us to read this passage of Scripture um, and read all of the book, because the book is really hard to preach, actually, without going into much detail about what comes next. And so it's great if you have a sense of where the entire story is going. It will help you piece it together. So we encourage you to read Ruth again this week as well. Last week, you'll remember, we talked about hesed. We talked about God's faithfulness, God's daily faithfulness, the loving kindness of God that's seen in chapter 1 of Ruth and in that relationship between Naomi and Ruth. Just a recap of what's happened. Naomi uh, it has a husband and has two sons, and they move from Israel and they go to Moab, which is actually enemy territory. It's unwelcome territory for Israelites, supposedly. But what they find is generous hospitality there. But unfortunately, the husband dies. The two sons die. And all of a sudden, Naomi's left on her own. And she just has two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. Ruth clings to her says, Naomi, I'm not going anywhere. I know you're just my mother-in-law. I know that you are a person that's not blood-related. But we have made this covenant for one another. And I'm going to stick beside you. And so what happens is they begin to transition back. To Bethlehem. It's probably 10, 15 years after they first moved there, and they decide to go back to Bethlehem because that's where there might be some sense of promise, some sense of return to normalcy. These two women who have lost everything. Last week we talked about Hesed. This week we're going to talk a little bit about hospitality. So you're going to have a chance to hear about that, and we're going to see what hospitality looks like in individual relationships. The passage of Scripture I'm going to read is a little bit of a long one. I'm just going to give you a heads up. It kind of takes a second or two. So I encourage you to follow along. Maybe you have a Bible on your phone. Maybe you have actually a physical Bible um, in your lap. But it's uh, Ruth 2, verses 1 through 20. I'm going to cut out a little bit of a section just for the sake of time. So if you'll follow along. 
Ruth 2, 1 through 20. Now Naomi had a kinsman on her husband's side, a prominent rich man of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain, behind someone in whose sight I might find favor. She said to her, this is Naomi saying to Ruth, Go, my daughter. So she went. She came and she gleaned in the field behind the reapers. And as it happened, she came to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who is the family of Elimelech. He's the guy that died. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Keep your eyes on the field that is being reaped and follow along behind them. I have ordered the young men not to bother you. And if you get thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. Then she fell prostrate with her face to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me when I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and your mother and your native land, and you came to a people that you did not know before. May the Lord reward you for your deeds, and may you have a full reward from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. And then she said, May I continue to find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, even though I am not. your breath, breathe, and then we keep going. At mealtime, uh, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some of the bread and dip, in, uh, dip your morsel in the sour wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he heaped upon her per- parched grain. She ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. And when she got up to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, let her glean even among the standing good grain, and do not reproach her. You must also pull out some handfuls for her from the bundles and leave them for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned until the evening, and then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephath of barley, which is about six gallons. She picked it up and came into the town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gleaned. Then she took out and gave to her what was left over after she herself had been satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? Where have you worked? Blessed be this man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law whom she had worked and said, The name of the man with whom I work today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, This man of ours is Boaz, is one of our nearest. This is the word of God for us, the people. If you'll pray with me. Holy and living God, we give you ourselves. We offer ourselves as vessels for your word. May we hear it. May we know it. May you give us wisdom to understand it, courage to... God, strengthen us this hour. May my words be yours. So October always reminds me of a season uh, when I was growing up, uh, and it was a season of gleaning. 
I don't know if you're familiar with the group called the Society of St. Andrew. They're an organization that's been around for a long period of time. They're pretty popular. They're, they're big kind of months for them are September and October during the harvest or after the harvest. And what they do is they invite people, organizations like churches or, or civic groups, to come and to glean fields that have already been harvested. Gleaning is just the practice of gathering leftover crops that have uh, been left off to the side that weren't picked up by the, the plows or whatever or the people working the fields. They're kind of the scraps of the harvest. Gleaning is actually a pretty critical piece of our food supply. Interestingly, I, I learned this week, I was reading an old article from The Atlantic, um, and I found that the, the Atlantic State, the study from two years ago, said that half of food in the United States is thrown away. 60 million tons, I was going to say pounds, 60 million tons of food are thrown away every year. That's $120 billion worth of food in the United States. Basically, what you could do is if you wanted to gather together all the food that we throw away every day as a society, you could fill up Carter-Finley Stadium, you could fill up Wallace Wade, you could fill up whatever the one in Chapel Hill is called. You could fill up all of those stadiums every day with the food that we toss out. It's kind of absurd to think about that. And interestingly, it's not just that because we leave stuff on our plate or like the grocery stores get rid of it. It's because a lot of it is left in the fields. A lot of it is just thrown off to the side because it's a, it's a head of lettuce that isn't perfectly round. Or it's a tomato that's not quite as red. Or it's a, a sweet potato that's got a really kind of weird shape that you ne wouldn't necessarily sell in a supermarket. But what gleaning does is allows us to gather those, that food together and give it to people who are in need. Gleaning is actually mandated by the Bible. This is not just a trend. This is, this is something that is as old as Scripture. It was in Leviticus, one of the earliest books in the Bible, one of the earliest stories of kind of faithful followers of God. And it's the story, gleaning is, is commanded because people would just leave, landowners would just leave their harvest to rot in the fields. Leviticus 19 says, At the harvest you shall not reap to the edge of your field, nor shall you go back over your land a second time. Essentially, don't be a jerk. Don't go back and just get all of the extra food so that nobody has it. At its most basic level, gleaning is hospitality 101. And hospitality 101 is don't be stingy. Don't be a jerk. Don't collect all the extra leftover things so that nobody else can have any share. You're not going to eat that sweet potato that's weird shaped. You're not going to eat that tomato that's got an off color or that head of lettuce that's losing part of it. So give it away. It's sometimes in the small things where God works. And I think this morning's passage of Scripture shows us that God can work in us just not being stingy. Boaz uh, sees Ruth out on the side of the field, and, and she's gleaning. And while Boaz probably thinks nothing of the fact that she's just gathering the scraps of food, for Ruth, this is an opportunity, and this is a glimpse of hope. For her, she hasn't had any food. She's been kind of barren in a lot of ways. She and her mother-in-law, Naomi, have zero hope. And so they go to this field in hopes of just finding one you know, little bit of food that they might be able to take home, and they find it scrapped. 
it's interesting to think about how hospitality, how sometimes the things that we don't even mean to do can mean so much to other people, the small acts of hospitality. It's the little thing. Earlier this week, um, Gabby and I received a, a very just small gift. It wasn't that much of it. It was a bottle of wine. It wasn't that much of anything. But it came on a very important day for us. Gabby, it was moving day on Wednesday for us, and so Gabby collected all her things and moved it into the townhome where we'll be living, um, which I've been living in uh, for a long time, so I just essentially had to move over, um, and, and she came in. But it was a very simple gesture. Somebody just left a bottle of wine on our steps before any, like before the movers got there, really before I even got out of the house to get to work. And it was a small thing that said, welcome. Gleaning and Boaz allowing Ruth to glean is just a way of saying, welcome. You're welcome here. But I got to say, that bottle of wine spoke to us in ways that I don't know what it was about the moment. I think, honestly, this is where God was at work in, this, in, this, in our personal lives, but also in this story. Because we got this bottle of wine, and it wasn't just the fact that we were welcomed. There was something else about that welcome that was really important. And it just kind of said that if you're going to live here in Cary, if you're going to be a part of First on Chatham and First Cary UMC, not only are you welcomed, but you are going to be loved and cared for. Similarly, Boaz offers that gesture to Ruth. Don't just glean here. Not only are you going to be welcomed here, I want you to feel loved and cared for. And so Boaz pushes through just this normal 